Hello, and welcome to Geek Between the Lines, the podcast where we explore compelling ideas and some of our favorite geeky properties. I'm Chris. And I'm Brittany. And this week we're continuing our read-through of Mockingjay, and we'll be looking at chapter 17. So Brittany, what happens in this chapter? Cadmus finds out she isn't being sent to fight in the capital, and storms into command. Coin says she has three weeks to train for her to be considered to go, and Johanna joins in the training, which is grueling on their weakened bodies. But they start getting stronger, and at lunch one day after a good training session, people were in good spirits until Peta joined them at the table. Johanna was blunt about them being torture buddies, and he's rude and inappropriate. Then Katniss has nightmares that night. Oh, PETA. Rude PETA. Rude PETA. Yeah, well, let's uh, let's start ta- chatting about what happens in this chapter then. So what are your striking moments? What are the moments that stood out to you on this read-through? One thing is just that this is the first time Katniss wants to fight, like mm. wants to be in combat. Every other time, you know, she's been forced into it. Yeah, this, I think, is a turning point for her character to seek out revenge. Mm-hmm. Um, she, she makes up other reasons of why she wants to go to coin, but the reason she wants to go is to kill Snow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, it's it's an important moment, and we could speculate the reasons for that, for her changing in this way, mm-hmm. whether this is a gradual process, whether this is particularly related to what was done to PETA, you know, there we can speculate, but we don't know. Yeah, it is, I think, really interesting, especially how the chapter starts with us just jumping into her being upset. Mm-hmm. Like, it's almost assumed that she would want to go and fight in the capital. But as you laid out, it is a marked difference from the ways that she's been thrown into violent situations thus far. And yeah, I think it's very much tied to her hatred of Snow, but also to needing to almost give herself a mission, uh, particularly with what she's experiencing with PETA back in District 13, where if she doesn't have the Mockingjay, if she just has PETA's recovery, which is so out of her hands, I think that that is going to be particularly hard for her, and she's kind of seeking something to drive her, or something to focus on. Well, yeah, and I I wonder, too, if it's not just about PETA. Like, if, sure, that contributes, that does not help, Mm -hmm. but... I also wonder if part of it is things that she's not even really letting herself dwell on. Mm. Like, she can think about Peter. She can spend time grieving him, and she can think about that anger. But she's been through a lot of traumatic events in a very short period of time. I mean, obviously, her childhood was one very long traumatic event as well, but... With, with very acute, particular cases in just the past two years. And if her role is done, then what does she do? Mm-hmm. She's, she, she's not having Coin and Plutarch and Haymitch require things of her anymore, or the Capitol require things of her that force her to 
ignore some of those things to, mm. to the best of her ability. And... Or her family, who, mm-hmm. have, you know, she's always had to help them survive. Mm-hmm. And that's no longer required of her either. Yeah. And so I wonder if, like, her hatred for Snow is even more intensified because mm. he is the reason mm-hmm. that maybe she's even though she has more power now than she really ever has she still can't manage you yeah. know and so it's like yeah even if we win this fight even if the capital is dismantled and we can have something better take its place maybe she still views her own life as being ruined you know mm-hmm. i also thought it was a nice little moment that you know hamish advocated for katniss and johanna being able to stay in a room together yeah. and help johanna get out of the hospital and not be alone in the hospital yeah. you know um i wonder if he even has observed things in her and is worried about her with a morphling addiction and mm-hmm. knowing his own addiction maybe he still sees her as having a chance that he doesn't feel he has you know yeah i wonder if there's also any part of him that's like this might also be good for katniss <laughs> <laughs> it's true it's true yeah at least you know especially his version of what's good for katniss which yeah. might be someone to challenge her yeah. <laughs> other things that were just kind of nice was we have that little paragraph about Finnick, like finally getting oh, to be yeah. Finnick, you know? And it's just like, this is him. Uh, obviously, it's not like those other things don't affect him, I'm sure, on a daily basis. But it's just he's able to be so much more himself and like the self that he wants to be, mm-hmm. um, which is so nice. Yeah. Oh, Finnick. Oh, Finnick. And Johanna also saying that Peta and, and her were old friends, mm-hmm. which is, you know, a very... Uh, she's very blunt about why they're friends and everything, but her even using that word, I feel like, is significant because she's Johanna. Absolutely. Her bluntness throughout that scene is not pointed. It's not like Peta's, which it seems to be pretty pointedly negative towards Katniss. Mm -hmm. Like, she is being blunt about everyone to everyone. (laughs) Exactly. But she, like, pats the seat next to her. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, you can sit here. It's like, I think that she actually does have compassion for him. And, like, she'll still say that he's an evil mutt version of himself. Mm -hmm. But (laughs) she also doesn't seem to begrudge him for it, you know? she, Yeah, which is just nice. Absolutely. To see her not only being, <laughs> you know, uh, combative to other people, mm-hmm. but her also being supportive in in small ways. Totally. And you also have, uh, I had to mention, Delhi liking Katniss again. Yeah. <laughs> Coming to her defense. Peta, we both used to talk about how much we liked her. <laughs> Why have you changed this in our dynamic? <laughs> Yeah, it's sweet, and it's another example of someone who can safely challenge PETA, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and how that can be beneficial for someone, because if everyone else is too worried about how it might affect him, but she's actually calling him out on things, um, yeah, I can see how that'd be an effective way of 
helping to, to mitigate his negative feelings because it's coming from Deli, the sweetest person. <laughs> yeah, and the fact that they, they've known each other for so long. Like, they yeah. know each other well, and he can trust her. Exactly. And I think he can feel that he can trust her. He can't um, trust Hamish. Nope. His family's not there if he could have ever trusted them. Which is doubtful. Yeah. And then he can't trust Katniss because yeah. this is what the hijacking was surrounding. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Ugh. Her being there is definitely very helpful. Totally. And last thing is just, I love the line, frankly, I could use a little sugar coating. It's, <laughs> it's just such a great line. That is a very good line. So, yeah. Uh, what about you? What are your striking moments? I was thinking about how Finnick and Annie are always holding hands, even when they're eating. Yeah. Uh, which made me think... Of course you were thinking about Is that. one of them left-handed? Because otherwise, I can imagine that being difficult. But also more hilarious. True, true, true. And then I was also trying, like... I just imagine Finnick trying to, like, eat with whatever hand that he's not used to eating with. Mm-hmm. Just, like, dropping things all over the place. <laughs> Or maybe they just, one of them feeds the other, and they're oh, super cute no, about it. Oh, no, no, that's, that's <laughs> not cute. But uh, more seriously, I was thinking about when Peta is being rude, he mentions how he doesn't owe Finnick anything. And I've been really paying attention to how Katniss has this ideology of owing people and kind of when that comes up in the story. And I totally forgot that Peta ever said anything like mm. that. So... It's just an interesting kind of twist on Katniss's perspective of how saving people that she cares about means that she owes someone, regardless of their intentions, regardless of, you know, anything else. But for her, it's the owing that really matters. It's that she's in someone's debt and she doesn't want to be. And Peta doesn't feel that same way because he's not from the seam. He's not from a place where he had to fight for survival in the same way. Yeah, I just, I find it a really interesting uh, kind of idea um, that I never really noticed before. Mm, Yeah, definitely. Finally, I was thinking about how for Katniss's nightmares, in her dreams, everything is screaming. And she lists all these things that are really just a collection of all the threats that she's faced and all those who she thinks have died because of her. You know, she talks about roses and wolf mutts, but also tributes, friends, stylists, and myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's a really great way of reminding the reader of how all these events that have happened before are not just new plot, not just new twist to the narrative, but there are things that have affected Katniss and have continued to build on one another and that we haven't thought about the stylus or the narrative hasn't dealt with the stylus in a long time but the fact that Cinna was killed the fact that the stylus were tortured as a message to her so yeah i think it's a really effective way of illustrating all of the things that haunt katniss and how much of that is her vision of responsibility and what she's responsible for mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but why don't we move into our from another point of view section when we analyze this chapter from a perspective of Katniss's. So, who did you want to talk about? I wanted to talk about Peta Malark. Oh, I had it Peta too. 
Second time in a row? Didn't <laughs> yeah. we both talk about Johanna? We did, we did, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, what, what did you want to bring up about Peta? Well, I wanted to think about him in this chapter because it, it is just this marked difference in his behavior mm-hmm. from the Peta that we know and just things that are very uncomfortable on like, what, what are you saying, you mm-hmm. know? So trying to think about his perspective as a, a method of trying to understand. Yeah. Because like, <laughs> since we started this read through, I'm like, oh, sometime we're going to have to get to Mutt Peta, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> Which, yes, it's, it's just weird. And so obviously there is the comment that he makes about Annie mm-hmm. and Finnick and this really weird creepy implications first that she could be stolen Mm -hmm. you know it's it implies that she has no agency Mm -hmm. which is patriarchal and sexist and gross yeah and also implying that he would even have like any desire for that and Mm -hmm. Finnick might not be treating her well and like it brings up characterizations of them that are unlike all three of them ways that none of them would act and we see Peta actually acting that way but also throwing similar kinds of implications towards them too Mm -hmm. yeah and so I don't know it's just it's so uncomfortable it's so strange and so I was like kind of thinking about what could be going on here Mm -hmm. is something underlying this comment that he actually is worried about Annie Mm. because she was also held captive Mm -hmm. with him and Johanna in the capital. And we see that Pita and Johanna have become (laughs) friends-ish. So I wonder if because he knows what they've all been through. He feels protective over maybe both of them. You know, like, he can't trust anyone, right? He he trusted Hamish. He can't trust Hamish. And maybe he also feels that about Finnick. Like, he doesn't know the Finnick that we know. Mm-hmm. He only knows the Capitals' image of Finnick as well as Finnick in the games. Which are memories that he can't entirely trust which are memories he can't entirely trust as well as he didn't trust finnick at the time totally and then afterwards finding out that he was in on the plan he feels that there's some duplicitousness there which is true Mm -hmm. you know and i wonder if part of it is wrapped up in what what he even says I don't know Finnick anything because he didn't save me for me. Mm-hmm. He saved me for Katniss for the rebellion. I was ultimately disposable. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder if there's a possibility that he could wonder if Annie could also be disposable for the mm. rebellion. You know, like if he was disposable to Hamish, who he trusted who was supposed to be his mentor his ally his advocate you know and this is what happened to him maybe maybe he actually does worry that fennec would not treat Annie well Hmm. yeah now i'm wondering 
what it's like for PETA to come out and see this lovey-dovey, happy-ending kind of Finnick and Annie. Mm-hmm. When he is clearly still recovering, when Johanna probably looks pretty bad, mm-hmm. and Annie is also there with him, but now she's had this wedding, she's seems like everything's okay, you know, yeah, I, I can imagine when he's already being suspicious of everything around him, that raising an eyebrow too. Yeah, absolutely. But then there's also the other reading that he's just angry. Mm -hmm. He's angry, he's hurt, he's confused, he's not emotionally well, and he wants to lash out. Mm -hmm. Even his lashing out is pretty subtle, unlike not anywhere near what it could be. Look at someone like Hamish. You try to take his alcohol away from him, like he will try to hit you, Mm -hmm. you know. But is this, I think all of us, or maybe, you know, the vast, vast, vast majority of us as humans all have the potential to be really cruel and mean. And it always seems easier to tap into when, yeah, you're hurt or unwell. And mm-hmm. so maybe part of this is him and part of his personality that he just doesn't engage most of the time or he, he didn't in, when he was in a healthier place. And so maybe, you know, a, a bit of sexism is there, a bit of spitefulness. These things are a part of him. Yeah, I think would also make a lot of sense. Yeah. I actually had a third reading. Oh, okay. Because when doing this exercise for his perspective of... Because, yeah, that, that line is so uncharacteristic of the PETA that I hold so dear to my heart. <laughs> you know, it was like, what what's happening here? And thinking through it, it actually kind of gave me flashbacks to some of the trauma of my middle school years. Because I'm being a little dramatic there. Uh, I'm being extremely overdramatic because uh, I'm referring to my inability to flirt. Um, You're very good at it now, though. True, true. <laughs> um, I was thinking about how PETA is coming out to eat with them. How that in of itself is, is a new thing and why this is the group even that he chooses to eat with. It's not like he goes to just sit down with Deli or with someone else. He comes out at this specific time and he comes out to eat with all of them. And I wonder if PETA is trying to build connections here. If that is his intention here, and he just doesn't really know how to do that. I remember when I was, yeah, in middle school, early high school, I was taking acting classes. And at one point in those classes, I was told, I was like given an improv scene, and like, it was like, flirt with this girl. And I failed i did such a bad job i mean it's kind of a creepy thing to be giving a middle schooler yeah i mean it was because you know love scenes exist and things like that But hopefully not between 12 year olds (laughs) i mean i was probably 14 and so yeah i just i remember like the ways that i was trying to build a connection perform a connection in this case just failed so badly where the teacher and all of the girls in the class were just like, no, what are you doing? <laughs> what did you do? I like, I think I was just like, well, you know, I can't trust you because girls are liars or something. What? Like, Yeah, it was bad. 
like, I think I had, like, some banter with that with one of my actual female friends. And I was like, oh, I can just bring that banter into this. Didn't work. Wasn't good. Mm, you uh, need to have an established friendship yeah, with Yeah, absolutely. Before you bring out misogyny. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah so God. I did a bad job. Great acting which skills. Which clearly has still affected me 20 years later. But yeah, it just so, so thinking about what Peter See, might be I going could through. never, it's good you're bringing this as a potential option because I could never have imagined that that was a reading. Yeah. It kind of took me by surprise, too. And then I was like, oh, do I want to talk about that? And then I was like, I probably should talk about that. (laughs) No people can be so bad at things. Yeah, exactly. Um, So, yeah, as someone who has been bad at social connections, seeing PETA, you know, I wonder if he was trying here maybe to, to do a small joke or something, like to build bonds and then it backfiring on him, he gets defensive. Yeah, it was just a reading. I don't even know if I 100% believe that that's what's happening, mm-hmm. but it just kind of came to my mind as a, maybe what was hap- what was going on in his mind. Yeah, well, I mean, it, I guess it, it came to Canis's mind too, but she said that his tone was off for it to be joking. Totally. But, you know, when you're, <laughs> have been go- undergoing uh, these treatments with different substances, mm-hmm. you know, who knows how that would affect your affect and you know stuff like that absolutely i had one other point i found it was fascinating how Peta is still very clear about how they're being manipulated and it actually took me a couple readings to to understand this quote where he says you know are you two officially a couple now or are they still dragging the star-crossed lover thing i was like who's the they in this sentence and i realized oh he's talking about like the systems they're a part of. It's talking about the Capitol and now District 13. He's talking about mm-hmm. how they are still play, you know, being pieces in these games and how he and Katniss's love story is still being pushed as a narrative. Yeah, that kind of was a an interesting moment for me to to see how Peta's anger is probably also at everything going on. It's not just at Katniss. Certainly it's it's directed a bit at Katniss where he brings up the train and I think that there's an element of him that's probably doesn't understand why she doesn't seem to care about him in his experience Mm -hmm. and what he's going through right now if this was their history together because the elements of his personality that are still there would absolutely be there 100% for her if the case was flipped Mm -hmm. and for Katniss, he, I, I think that he can't really understand why she is avoiding him. And the one time they did have a conversation was not exactly caring about him. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I think that it's just a revealing of how savvy he still is in understanding the situation beyond just the interpersonal relationships. Um, and how that's triggering for him. Exactly. Right? Yeah. That's what makes him make fists and, you know, start descending into arguing with himself and things like that Mm -hmm. is thinking about how people are using him Mm -hmm. and how they could even be using him even in the state he's in Mm -hmm. where he's not on screen. He's not. And they're just like doing it all behind his back, you know? Yeah. When from the beginning, one of the first things 
that we really get to see more of his character is him saying that he doesn't want to be a piece in their games. Mm-hmm. And yeah, seeing how like how much he has been used and what that's done to him. Yeah, absolutely. And I also wonder if some of his bluntness, kind of like Johanna, <laughs> if at a certain point, if you've just been through enough that you just don't care anymore mm-hmm. to tiptoe around things, tact seems pointless. No, I'm just going to say what happened. I'm not going to like hide things or sugarcoat things or whatever. Let's just say real things instead of having these veils of indirect communication. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, why don't we move into our next segment, our touch points, when we see how what we read in this chapter connects to our society. What touch points did you want to bring? So one of the things that I really liked is that these books are called The Hunger Games, and for a while now, we haven't been, I guess, reminded of that as much, like the, the hunger aspect. Mm. And so I like that in this chapter, Collins does bring it back to hunger, which is one of the most basic human experiences and and needs is for food and so when they're all in the dining hall before Peter arrives <laughs> Katniss is thinking about you can feel the rejuvenating effect that a good meal can bring on mm-hmm. the way it can make people kinder funnier more optimistic and remind them that it's not a mistake to go on living so it's just like She's not directly relating to the, like, this is why we're fighting for this, but I think that it's there. Yeah. That before this rebellion, they were starving. And, you know, she was a couple days away from starving, even being a hunter, you know? Mm -hmm. And so just kind of reminding (laughs) the audience who probably the majority of the audience reading these books are people who have food don't have to worry about those things can experience those feelings all the time Mm -hmm. so yeah i just i really like that that was brought up again yeah and and in a really fascinating way too because it's not another one of those rich expensive meals that she had in the capital Mm -hmm. it's something made by greasy say that Mm -hmm. she's been eating for most of her life and it's just using better quality ingredients. And those better quality ingredients are the kinds of ingredients that are so easy for us to get access to in the United States comparatively. I mean, that we literally throw away because we don't, we bought them and then we don't use them all. Exactly. And like that. Yeah. 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 It's a, a, a really powerful moment when you stop and think about that. Definitely. I was also thinking about when some of their torture while they were imprisoned, like, comes out. Katniss even asking Johanna, like, did you really hear each other's screams? And and it's so interesting that, and I think very smart of Johanna to be like, it was like the Jabber Jays, because this is something that she knows that severely affected Katniss. Mm -hmm. And then saying, but it was real, and it didn't stop after an hour. Especially if... Johanna cares about PETA and went through it too, or not exactly the same. She didn't have to go through the hijacking Mm -hmm. to, yeah, just 
really bring to Katniss's attention. No, this is way worse than what you experienced for that hour. Yeah, so I was just, when I was thinking about what PETA went through, Johanna went through, these young people, I mean, PETA still a child. Yeah. 17. It was bringing up something that I had read recently about a Palestinian who was jailed by the Israeli authorities when he was 13. His name is Ahmad Manasra, and up until now, he's been in prison for seven years. Even though the Israeli courts say that he didn't participate in an alleged attack that happened, he was still sentenced for attempted murder Hmm. at 13. And while in prison, developed schizophrenia and other mental health problems during his time in solitary confinement. He's spent 357 days in isolation in a tiny cell and has been subjected to physical and psychological torture. And to just think about these things being done to kids. Yeah. And PETA was just in the games, you know, because he had to be in the games. He wasn't a part of this plot. He didn't do any of these actions that the Capitol could even say would be punishable by imprisonment and things like that if he was actually a part of this rebellious action. Uh, Not that that should be punishable, but you know what I mean. (laughs) And yet he's taken in, imprisoned, probably alone for the vast majority of it, and tortured, and there's nothing that he did, and there's nothing he can do about the situation that he's in, and this is what happens to him because those in power decree it. Yeah. And it doesn't matter that it's against anything humane. It doesn't matter that it's based off of things that didn't happen. It doesn't, you know, it, nothing matters. Facts don't matter. Laws don't matter. And this does actually happen to real people. Yeah. So, uh, I was thinking about that. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up because that is a really important parallel. Mm-hmm. And, like, how it can really impact mental health. hmm And so even if when he gets out after his nine-and-a-half-year sentence as a 13-year-old mm-hmm. who didn't do anything, these are things that he'll have to deal with for the rest of his life. Yeah. Which is also why solitary confinement is inhumane and should be outlawed. Yes. And it's like, you know, we know Peter didn't grow up in a good environment. And maybe the ways that he was compassionate and thoughtful and wise before, those are impressive. Yeah. And then you take him, throw him in prison, torture him, give him drugs. Those things that he was battling before are just going to be that much harder to deal with yeah absolutely so yes that's very depressing why don't we go to what you have (laughs) (laughs) well one thing i was thinking about was how soldier york sends katniss 
to the hospital to get a treatment that would be painful, but would help her ribs heal more quickly so that she could pass these examinations and training requirements and things like that. And I think I may have mentioned this before, but, you know, it does highlight how so much of our own scientific advancements are tied to the military. And oftentimes they're tied to ways of getting soldiers back on the battlefield. So the vast majority of PTSD research, for example, is going to be about helping soldiers be able to cope with PTSD so that they can then be redeployed. Mm -hmm. The, The same huge amount of money and resources are not being funneled to PTSD on things like sexual assault or other traumatic events that also happen. But mm-hmm. really, it has this very... No, those ones we cover up. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I think that it's it's important to, to remember that, you know, many of the scientific advancements that we think about in our society were done because of military investment and that were done for military purposes and that finding how nuclear energy can power electricity, which has its own many, many issues... But that is a side effect of building a nuclear weapon to use on people. <laughs> yeah, I think that all of that is is very uh, important to keep in mind. Well, I mean, nuclear science was initially done not for military things, wasn't it? Uh, people, like, were researching it and things like that. But actually splitting the atom, no one had done that before. Because there wasn't enough money and things like that put into it until that. And then the widespread use of nuclear reactors for energy only happened because of the investment into nuclear weapons. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now we can find the money. (laughs) I was also thinking about how ableist the military is in this situation. (laughs) Uh, When Katniss says that she wants to be involved, there's no, well... If you're not physically fit enough, there are other options for you to get involved if this is something that you're interested or passionate about. I don't think that Katniss's passion for joining the military is a healthy thing. Uh, <laughs> nor I don't is think most passion people's for... passion for joining the military. But within that, taking that as given, the reaction to it is, I think, an example of systemic ableism. Definitely. Yeah, but my last touch point was how Johanna continues to bring up the advice that she's getting from her doctor her psychiatrist or therapist Mm. or what have you which i find really interesting it's so great right it is the fact that she like is thinks that he's an idiot because he tells her that she's safe but she's still listening she's listening and she's using the advice as well Mm -hmm. when she tells katniss you know we do need to move on that is one thing that my therapist says that's true you know she is this is having an effect on her. And it's certainly something that in my therapy I've seen where when I, I start to think about many, many different things in new ways, be just through the act of talking about things and having someone who can kind of guide you through your own history, your own feelings and thoughts. And yeah, it just it's interesting to see Johanna also have that even as a cynic, even as someone who is combative and does not want to be there but still seeing the effect that it's having on her. Although I also was like, I can't believe that her doctor told her that she shouldn't censor herself, because I'm like, has Johanna ever censored herself? (laughs) (laughs) Why did that come up? (laughs) Well, I mean, she's probably 
doesn't talk about all of the things that have happened to her, right? That's true. Like, even her saying, there isn't anyone else that I love. They can't use anyone against me. Yeah. Like, that's still not really saying what happened mm. exactly. So, you know, there could be something there. But I think, I mean, it just adds, like, it's a great characterization. It's just this very small thing um, that's not focused on, but it shows that she has wisdom because she can discard the things that she knows are incorrect mm. and can't work for her. Like, I feel like I'm safe, you know, yeah. that, that is impossible for her and it's untrue. But she can still take other things that are helpful for her and try to implement them, which, yeah, is is really important because you would think in a more tropey way, a character like her would just be like brash and brazen and, you know, would just reject everything. Yeah, the that... tragic hero who gets te- told what their weakness is and refuses to listen. Yeah, and just would, would be stubborn and just like would be sitting there in the sessions that she's forced to go to and not even try to see if there's any parts that could be useful for her, you know? Mm-hmm. But she doesn't do that. She she is more receptive than archetypes of her personality often are. Totally, yeah. Which is great. Yeah. So yeah, as, as hard as it is to have hijacked PETA, it's mm-hmm. really nice to have Johanna in the story. Mm-hmm. At this point, yeah. Mm-hmm. But why don't we head into our next segment? These are our wonderments. What's on our mind? What questions we have? So what are you wondering about? Something I'm wondering about is if Johanna and Katniss call Johanna's therapist a head doctor because therapists just don't exist in the districts. Mm. So that's the most logical thing for them to call them because it's like oh it's a doctor but for your head you know Mm -hmm. but not like head injury like Mm -hmm. yeah but yeah exactly it's it's if you don't have that vocabulary Mm -hmm. or does district 13 call them that Mm -hmm. you know it's just it, it raises some questions about the distance from our society to theirs and yeah although on the other hand you know it also highlights another touch point which is that mental health professionals are a great example of how the communities that often need resources most are the least likely to have access to them absolutely where low-income communities in the united states are much less likely to have access to affordable accessible mental health resources than higher income communities and so i don't know the actual statistics of this i think it'd be interesting to find out but i imagine that the proportion of wealthy people who are in therapy is a much higher (laughs) proportion when they have the resources that Mm -hmm. get them out of things like inescapable poverty or joblessness and unemployment and and crime and all these other kinds of things yeah or you know the time to be able to go Mm -hmm. to these appointments during work hours probably Mm -hmm. also the access to choose the therapist they want Mm -hmm. if they don't like, if they have enough money, they don't even need to go through their insurance. Exactly. You know, they can just choose whoever. Yeah, I'm sure the people in the capital are, have access to therapists and life coaches, and, you know, yeah. all of these things. And then the people in the capital who could probably use it, I'm sure, wouldn't have access, like, Pollux, right? Yeah. Uh, and certainly, I would imagine they would not have a therapist that 
signs, mm-hmm. you know, or or can understand signs. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting question. What about you? What's your wonderment? I'm wondering about the rank system within Capital 13, um, because they refer to their the person who's training them as Soldier York, mm-hmm. which is the same rank that Katniss has. Yeah. And so it's interesting to think about that because, you know, we have drill sergeants, right, who are already an elevated rank. Mm-hmm. And I'm basically just wondering what the ranking system in 13 is. I don't think that we ever hear what Bog's position is, if he would be a general in the way that we think of those higher ranks in our society, if they even have that, if soldier is just the the term that they use. Yeah, that's interesting. I I don't remember if when we met Boggs, if they did give him a I think they said that he was the chief of security, Mm. but he's not called Chief Boggs, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's just, I think, an interesting question. It's clear that there are some hierarchies of power in District 13, but how they're differentiated and how what the vocabulary they use for that, I think, is a question that I have. Yeah, that's really fascinating because it could show the cultural value in District 13 of equality. Coin doesn't get to eat more food than a refugee from District 12 is eating you know mm-hmm. uh, that we know of I, and, and i assume that that seems like coin wouldn't stand for that right? right and so it's like it's all based off of your calories and how much you need to get to the next meal and so yeah it'd be fascinating if titles are similar it's like there's president coin because she was elected into this position and then everyone else has the same rank that, mm-hmm. would, that would be interesting yeah yeah, well, why don't we move into our intentions, uh, what we're taking away from this conversation and this reading. What's your intention this week? I think my intention is related to Johanna giving signs of trauma mm. that Katniss just doesn't know are signs of trauma. And like we'll get into in the next couple chapters specific things that are triggering for Johanna and why she's doing some of the things that she's doing. Mm -hmm. But Katniss is just like, do people just not bathe in District 7, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think my intention is just to think about signs and symptoms and stuff. I guess signs of depression or anxiety are very easy for me to pick up on because I've experienced those things myself. Mm-hmm. But just because I have doesn't mean that somebody else wouldn't show a different sign or symptom than I would, you know, in how they manage it or don't. And so, yeah, just like trying to be more aware of assumptions, I guess I might make based off of things like oh maybe that's because that seems like a depressive Mm. symptom or you know something or oh that's just how that's just their personality or oh they're just busy or you know whatever it is versus asking you Mm. know oh what what's going on with this or why do you do this or something um because assumptions aren't helpful and also you know kind of introspectively try to analyze if I do different signs that I am not even aware that I'm doing, you know, Mm -hmm. based off of my my own 
history and 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 traumas and stuff so yeah yeah. what about you my intention is to take inspiration from finnick and to try to live genuinely and to try to find genuine joy and relationships that i can be myself in Uh, i definitely have a tendency to feel subconsciously like i need to perform for people both people i'm close to and people generally in society yeah i think that reading about how finnick is in this chapter makes me yeah want to to kind of use that as an example to motivate myself uh, to challenge myself when i feel like i need to perform and to think about okay what's actually you know how actually do i feel how actually do i want to communicate these things what actually is on my mind rather than kind of being led by the assumptions that i'm making about other people and and the way that i should uh act and respond to them so yeah that that's my intention Hmm, that's good yeah okay but i think that's gonna wrap up our discussion of this chapter so what's happening next time on the hunger games so we're gonna be reading the next chapter which is chapter 18 where super squad assemble (laughs) exactly well thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode of geek between the lines find links to our website our social media and our patreon in the episode description and we hope that you'll join us on patreon so you can get access to all the extra content that we're making for the hunger games and to help us keep the show sustainable And we just wanted to give a little shout out to a new patron that just joined us kayla welcome to our community Yeah, thanks, Kayla. And also, things have been a lot. And I can't remember if I also gave a shout out a few months ago when Liv joined our patrons. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-oh. I know. Whoopsie. Thank you, Liv. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Who is our first international patron Uh. from Denmark, which is awesome. So, yes, we are so excited to have you as well as... If we get geeky facts from both of them in the future, we will share them here on the podcast. Yeah. We want to thank Kimberly Kuniko at Lacelet for designing our logo. You can find her designs at lacelet.com, Instagram, or Patreon. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week. Until then, geek geek out. out!